From the terrifying power of tornadoes to sizzling summer temperatures, AccuWeather Daily brings you the top trending weather-related story of the day, seven days a week. You can learn a lot in just a few minutes with stories about impending hurricanes, winter storms, or even what not to miss in the night sky. So listen and subscribe to AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Again, everyone, this is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. This is episode 63, and today we're talking all things nitroglycerin. It might be one of the coolest drugs ever. So in this episode, we're going to talk about why it's so cool, what it is, what it's used for, how it works, which is really interesting and all the different forms of nitroglycerin and how they are administered, as well as monitoring safety parameters for your patient. So let's get started. So the reason nitroglycerin is really interesting to me is because it comes in so many different forms that require really different methods of administration. I think as I was counting them up for this episode, I had seven different forms of nitroglycerin. So in this post, we're going to dive right into those so that you can do well in your nursing school clinicals, your care plans, and I guarantee you're going to have to learn how to give at least one of these forms of nitroglycerin in one of your classes or in your clinical because it's pretty darn common. So nitroglycerin is actually an explosive compound that is used in dynamite. But before you get worried, the form used medically is not explosive. It is used medically as a potent vasodilator. Just know if a patient asks, nitroglycerin, isn't that in dynamite? You can assure them that it is not combustible. It is at different concentrations and diluted to neutralize any unstable effects. So your patient doesn't have to worry that the nitroglycerin tablets in their pocket are going to explode and they should not be carrying them in their pocket as you will learn a little bit farther on in this episode. But let's talk now about what it's used for and how it works. So you will see nitroglycerin used for two purposes. The main purpose you will see it used for is to alleviate angina. So if you're thinking, what the heck is angina? Then you need to go back to episode 62 and listen to that before you come and listen to this one or read about it on the Straight A Nursing Student website if you're more of a reader. So it can be used to alleviate angina and that's where you'll see it the most, but in some cases it's also used to reduce blood pressure. So just a quick recap for those of you that didn't listen to the angina or just need a refresher, angina is a chest pain that occurs when that heart isn't getting quite enough oxygen. So 
The short version, the TLDR version, is that in most patients, a lot of the time, this chest pain, this angina pain, can be relieved with nitroglycerin. Again, you may also see it used as an antihypertensive in certain patients, and when you see how it works, you'll understand why it works and why it does such a great job at both relieving angina pain and lowering blood pressure. So remember, I mentioned this earlier, nitroglycerin is a potent, potent vasodilator. So when we say vaso with something, we're referring to vessels. So this could be arteries, it could be veins, it could be both. So at low doses, nitro, you may hear it just called nitro, that's what the cool kids call it. Nitro at low doses is dilating the veins. And at higher doses, it's dilating both the veins and the arteries. See, it's already a super interesting drug. So when nitro is dilating those veins, it's reducing preload. So think about venous return, think about preload and what that does to the heart. It's going to give the heart less blood volume to pump around. So with less blood volume to pump around, the heart doesn't have to work as hard. So we have now reduced the workload of the heart. You will hear this phrase a lot in the clinical setting and a lot in your advanced med surge course. So when workload is reduced, oxygen demands are also reduced. So you could hear somebody say, we've reduced the oxygen demands of the heart. That is what they mean. So another very important concept to understand with nitroglycerin administration is this thing called ventricular transmural pressure. So you know those coronary arteries that you had to memorize for your anatomy and physiology class and that you probably forgot, but you're going to have to memorize them again for advanced med surge possibly, definitely if you go into work in a cardiac unit or a cardiovascular intensive care unit or a cath lab or one of those places, but you've got those coronary arteries and they're running all around the heart. Well, when the heart is pumping less strenuously, the heart muscle itself is exerting less pressure against those arteries. Does that make sense? So when you think about that, what happens to those arteries with less pressure on them? They fill more easily and they bring more blood flow to the heart. But wait, there's way more cool stuff to talk about with nitroglycerin. So we talked about those lower doses where the nitroglycerin is working on the vein dilation. Well, at the higher doses, it's going to dilate veins and arteries. So now we think about the arteries are dilated. What does that do to afterload? So I want you to think about this for a minute. So I'll just pause here for a moment for you to think about what might happen to afterload if the arteries are dilated. So if you thought, I think afterload would be reduced, right? Then yes, you are 
on it. So with afterload reduced, the heart is now more efficiently pumping that blood out into the system. So when we step back and look at the total picture of what nitroglycerin does, we see a really cool thing. Nitroglycerin is going to get more blood flow to the heart, give it a little bit of a break so it doesn't have to work so hard, and at the same time, make it more efficient at pumping blood around the body. So what we've done is we've reduced the workload of the heart, reduced the oxygen demands of the heart, and improved oxygen delivery all at the same time. Now, is that incredibly cool or what? So let's move on and talk about all the different forms of nitroglycerin and how they are administered. So yet another reason why nitro is so cool is because it is available in so many forms. So it comes in a paste that's like an ointment paste, a patch, sublingual tablets, extended release PO tablets, buckle tablets, sublingual or translingual spray, and IV form. So how many other medications can you think of that come in that many formations. So the first thing to consider when you're looking at all the different forms of nitro is what it's being used for. Is it being used for chronic treatment or prevention of angina or acute treatment of angina or to lower blood pressure in certain patients? So we'll talk about these as we go through the various types. So first, we'll talk about transdermal nitroglycerin administration. So when we're talking about transdermal, remember that's the medication absorbing through the skin. And this comes in two forms. In that ointment or paste, you will hear it called a paste more often than you'll hear it called an ointment, basically the same thing, and a patch. So transdermal nitro is going to be used for that long-term chronic management and prevention of stable angina. A common ointment preparation is called nitrobid, though you may hear people simply say nitropaste, as that's just kind of a catch-all term for any nitroglycerin in ointment form. So there are a few very important things you need to know about nitroglycerin administration in this paste or ointment form. For starters, you do not, under any circumstances, ever want to get this on your hands or any other part of your body. You don't want it touching your skin because guess why? It's absorbed transdermally. So you've just dosed yourself with nitro that you did not need. And guess what's going to happen, folks? Your blood pressure is going to drop and you're probably going to get something called a nitro headache that results when those vessels in the brain dilate and it hurts. You do not want a nitro headache at all. In fact, your patients who are just starting nitro may complain of this headache, but you can assure them that it typically goes away as they get acclimated to the medication. So you're always going to wear gloves when you're dealing with nitroglycerin. Secondly, it's important to note that nitro paste or nitroglycerin ointment is dosed in inches, as in 
one inch of nitrobid Q8 hours. So that might seem kind of weird, but this medication comes in a tube, like a, it's like a little single use packet that kind of looks like a mayonnaise packet. And there will also be a little pad of waxy paper included with it. And you peel off one of these little pieces of waxy paper and it's about the size of a credit card or so. And on one side of that waxy kind of paper is a little ruler that has like one inch, two inch, three inch, whatever on it, so that you know how much nitro paste to squeeze out of the packet. You measure it out on that little ruler, put it on the patient with that ointment side down, and write your initials, the date, the time on the other side. You're not going to put an occlusive dressing like a tegaderm over this, but sometimes I'll take a little paper tape and just put a little bit of paper tape there so that it doesn't move around too much, okay? Now, the next and third important thing you need to know about nitro paste is how to remove it correctly. So when you're taking this off your patient, you're not going to just take off the little paper. You absolutely have to get a tissue and wipe it off the patient. You don't want to leave that ointment behind for two reasons. You're going to maybe be putting on another nitro paste later and now the patient's got two, essentially, doses of nitro paste on their body. So you don't want to do that. And we'll talk about this in just a minute. It's called a nitro holiday. So just be aware that we're going to wipe it off for a very important reason called a nitro holiday. One of the reasons you want to wipe it off, maybe you're not giving them their nitro holiday, which we'll talk about in a minute, but let's say your patient becomes hypotensive, they're wearing their paste, and now their blood pressure is 82. So one of the very first things you'll do for your patient is just remove that medication. And your orders will be written with parameters most likely to remove if blood pressure gets to a certain point. Take it off the patient and wipe the ointment off, okay? You always, always want to make sure you've removed the prior nitro paste paper with ointment before placing a new one, okay? And common sites you'll see on your patient in the hospital is like the chest area, maybe the deltoid. You want it to be in a spot where it's not going to get into a lot of contact with the bed and pillows because then it's just going to come off. Okay, so fourth, we talked about that nitro holiday. The next thing you need to know is that repeated and consistent exposure to nitro decreases the body's sensitivity to it, making it overall less effective. So your patient will likely be ordered to wear their nitro paste for about 12 to 14 hours per day. It gets taken off, wiped off completely, and now they're on their little nitro holiday. So that tolerance does not build up and... I guarantee this will be a test question. So write that down if you didn't already. Unless you're driving, do not stop and write that down right now. Write it down later. So while we're at it, when you're giving your patient their nitro paste, you want to rotate the site because it can cause skin irritation if you keep putting it on the same site over and over. So we talked about that transdermal application. There is another transdermal application 
that is given via a patch. So it doesn't have a messy ointment on it. It's just a patch. And you might see this called nitrodur, D-U-R. And you'll typically see it dosed in little patches at like 0.2 milligrams an hour to 0.8 milligrams per hour. And it's releasing the medication slowly into the system at that set amount. So like that paste or ointment, the patch does need to be removed daily in order for it to remain effective so they don't build up that tolerance. And you want to place it to any area without a lot of hair because that's going to affect the administration of the medication. You do want to avoid distal extremities and do not place over skin abnormalities like a tough callus. Well, that's not going to work very well. Any rashes, cuts, or wounds. And then a very important safety precaution with any medication patches. Say your patient goes into cardiac arrest and you need to defibrillate them. They're in V-fib, so you need to defib. Or you're going to cardiovert them out of an atrial fibrillation with rapid ventricular response. We are going to take the patch off because defibrillating or cardioverting a patient with a medication patch can cause burns at that site. You also never, ever cut the patch to achieve a smaller dose. So let's say you've got 0.6 milligram patches And the doc has now changed the order to 0.4 milligrams. You're not going to cut a portion of that patch off thinking, well, now it's at 0.4 milligrams. No, it's not. You've just messed it all up. You need to get the proper patch from the pharmacy. Common question that patients will ask as they're wearing the patch is if they can shower or bathe. And the answer is yes, it should tolerate that just fine. Okay, that was a lot, but that's because that will be the form of nitroglycerin that you're going to be administering the most in the clinical setting. Pretty darn sure about that. But now let's talk about PO nitroglycerin administration. So this other route is used for that chronic prophylactic management of the angina, and it's in the form of a PO medication of an extended-release tablet. So some common brand names you might see are Nitroglen, ER, ER standing for extended-release, Nitrong, think long, it lasts a long time, or Nitrotime, again, lasts a long time. It's extended-release, and the point of that is so that the medication is they're not getting dosed with it all at once. They're getting a little bit at a time over the course of the day. So nitroglycerin is usually given on an empty stomach. So any medication the patient's taking on an empty stomach, the guidelines are typically an hour before eating or two hours after eating. As is the case with any sustained release meds, you're never going to crush them. You're never going to have the patient chew them. You're never going to break the tablets. So you're not going to like cut this one in half to get a smaller dose. So doing that negates that slow release mechanism and it would cause a dangerous fast influx of nitroglycerin into the system and could tank their blood pressure. So definitely don't do that. So let's say you've got a patient and they have been taking this nitro time for a while for their prophylactic management of their angina, but now they've got a really bad pneumonia and they're on a ventilator and they have an OG tube and you're giving them their meds through their OG tube. The MD's in a hurry. She restarts this guy's home medications, which include that nitro time, that extended release tablet. What are you going to do? Are you going to crush it and mix it with some water and administer it down his oral gastric tube? Or are you maybe not going to do that? I think you're maybe not going to do that because that would be bad. Yes, you are smart. You're going to call the MD and ask for an alternate route. Maybe this patient would be a good candidate for that transdermal administration while they're 
on the ventilator and getting all of their medications either crushed through their OG tube or through other ways. So that's the PO route, meaning we're swallowing pills by mouth. What about buckle? We're talking like the cheek, basically. So patients, maybe they can't swallow pills, or maybe they're just not good candidates for transdermal administration because they have really bad skin, issues with their skin, they can't absorb it well. So they could get extended release buckle tablets. So with that transdermal route, that buckle administration is also going to avoid first pass metabolism. I might not have mentioned that earlier, but it does. And the medication is absorbed slowly into the bloodstream without taking that detour to the liver the way those PO medications do. So for buccal nitroglycerin administration, the patient's going to hold that tablet between their cheek and gum or underneath their upper lip and advise them while it's dissolving not to uh, chew that tablet, not to drink hot liquids, not to touch it with their tongue because that could cause it to be absorbed too quickly. And we definitely don't want that. The patient getting this needs to be able to follow instructions. Okay, so we talked a lot about prophylactic or chronic management prevention of angina, but what if your patient's having a painful angina attack right now? Well, you're going to help him. This patient needs relief. His heart needs relief. So this is where sublingual and translingual nitroglycerin come into play. So sublingual nitroglycerin, a common one is called nitrostat. Think stat and that it's going to act fast. This is not an extended release form. This is going to come in a small bottle containing a whole bunch of tiny little dissolvable tablets. And be aware that each dose is one of those tiny little tablets, not a vial of those tiny little tablets, okay? And each tablet has a set dose. Common ones are 0.3, 0.4, or 0.6 milligrams. I think where I work, we keep the 0.4 milligram tablets handy. So you want to read the orders carefully to ensure you give the right dose and the correct number of tablets. So administration of these sublingual nitroglycerin tablets is really easy. Just place under the patient's tongue and wait for it to dissolve. Again, this patient needs to be able to follow instructions, avoid drinking while it's dissolving. Don't eat, don't smoke, don't chew gum, don't chew it, don't drink any hot fluids. Just don't do anything with your mouth while the tablet is dissolving, sir. Your chest pain will hopefully get better. Okay. You also want to instruct the patient if they're taking home nitroglycerin tablets, they want to make sure that they're leaving it in the original glass vial and with no other medications in the vial. Taking it out of that glass vial can cause the tablets to lose potency and putting other tablets in there with it can also cause it to lose potency and also, it's just not a good thing for safety. Let's say they're stressed, they're having angina pain, they reach for their tablets, and now they have to think, oh, is it the little round white one or is it the little round blue one? I don't know. So keep the nitroglycerin by itself in its original glass vial. You also want to make sure that they understand that the tablet's should not be exposed to heat, moisture, or air. So don't store them in the bathroom. Don't leave them in the glove box of the car. Don't even carry them in your shirt pocket. It's too warm. And don't open the vial unnecessarily because even exposure to air can cause them to lose potency. In fact, once that vial is open, the tablets have a shelf life of six months. So 
They need to also know that once they open it, they need to write the date and then get them replaced in six months. Okay, now let's talk about translingual nitroglycerin. So this form, you might hear it called nitromist or nitrolingual. It's simply a spray that is administered either under the tongue or on the tongue. So this is a really common form for patients to have at home because it's just so darn easy for them to administer. They don't have this tiny little vial to open, tiny little tablets to deal with. They don't spill half of them on the floor where the dog eats them. You know, it's just super easy. So nitromist can be given under the tongue or on the tongue, and then nitrolingual goes under the tongue only. So a small difference there, not a huge difference, but you will need to educate your patients effectively. Now let's talk about nitroglycerin used for hypertension. So after a myocardial infarction or CHF that has resulted from a myocardial infarction, that nitroglycerin can be used to decrease the workload of the heart and improve oxygen delivery while keeping the patient's blood pressure in their happy zone. You also may see it used in surgery as a blood pressure lowering agent. If that's the case, it's going to be the anesthesiologist administering it. So not you unless you do become a CRNA and highly, highly encourage you guys to continue your education if that interests you. So you won't see it You won't be administering in surgery is my point, but you may be administering it to these patients with a myocardial infarction with high blood pressure. You may be giving it to patients with CHF after myocardial infarction. And I also saw a study that it's also used to treat dangerously high hypertension in patients with pulmonary edema. So very specific cases that you may see it used. So as you're using it, you're going to be doing something called the titration. And I didn't realize until I wrote the dosage calculations course that you guys don't know what that means. And of course you don't know what that means. You've not done it. So titration means you're either increasing the medication or lowering the medication to achieve a desired effect. You're titrating it up or you're titrating it down. It simply means you're increasing or lowering based on some parameters that are going to be outlined by the MD. So with the nitroglycerin in IV form, typically it's going to be a blood pressure goal, a blood pressure parameter, and you will titrate the nitroglycerin up or down to reach that goal. So the main thing, the other main thing you need to know about IV nitroglycerin is that you have to give it with special tubing. You may hear someone say, hey, do we have any nitro tubing or go get me some nitro tubing? That's what they're talking about. That's because standard tubing can absorb a whole bunch of that medication, making it less effective. It's also going to be in a glass vial. Okay, so you are giving nitroglycerin. What assessments need to be done? Well, obviously, because it is such a potent vasodilator, you're going to watch the patient's blood pressure. Hypotension can result from any vasodilator, any blood pressure lowering medication. Along those same lines, you're going to watch for orthostatic hypotension. So if you haven't learned what this is yet, it's when the patient changes position, like from lying down to sitting, lying down to standing, sitting to standing, and you've had this happen to you before. You stand up and you go, oh, whoa, I'm all lightheaded. That's orthostatic hypotension. So you want to instruct your patients to sit down for sure before taking their medication at home and instruct them to change positions slowly. If they're lying down, they need to sit up slowly. They're not going to go from lying down straight up to standing. If they're seated and they want to stand up, they need to make sure that 
Their head is clear. They're not lightheaded when they stand. Maybe be holding on to something. Don't immediately walk away from the chair. Have it behind you so that you can sit immediately if you get lightheaded. Those types of things. They need to basically go very slow. Okay. The other assessment we're going to make with nitroglycerin is pain. So because nitro is often used to treat angina, you want to know if it's helping. You want to know if the symptoms are resolving because if they're not, the patient could be having a very serious angina or even a myocardial infarction. So you want to watch for symptoms being resolved. And then again, know that that headache can occur, but it typically does reduce as therapy continues. These patients will also be hooked up to an EKG machine or a heart monitor. You want to watch their heart rate and their EKG. So nitroglycerin can cause bradycardias. So if your patient's kind of on the lowish end, you want to check the heart rate before you give it um, and after you give it. It can also cause what's called a reflex tachycardia. Why do you think that is? I'm going to tell you, but I bet you already guessed. As the blood pressure drops, the heart rate increases as a compensatory mechanism. So we call this reflex tachycardia. So watch for that. It's typically transient. Patients receiving IV infusions of nitroglycerin absolutely have to be on continuous EKG monitoring. So this patient will likely be in the intensive care unit. You also want to watch for signs I'm going to butcher the word, but I'm really going to try hard to say it. Monitor for signs of methemoglobinemia. Wow, I think I said it. So this is a condition that can occur with high doses of nitroglycerin, especially that IV form. So methemoglobinemia is a blood disorder where the body produces way too much methemoglobin. And this is a substance thing, whatever. It replaces hemoglobin. Okay, so it's bad. It's methemoglobin and then it replaces hemoglobin in red blood cells. And guess what? Methemoglobin does not participate in gas exchange. So common signs of this are a bluish tinge to the skin because the patient's not getting enough oxygen. They're getting cyanotic. They could have a really bad headache. They could have altered mental status, fatigue, and shortness of breath. Just know that untreated, this condition can be fatal for very obvious reasons. And then you also want to assess your patient's knowledge. Make sure they understand how to take their medication, when to take it, how much to take, how to store it, and how to prevent that orthostatic hypotension because you don't want anybody falling on your watch. So there you have it. That is your introduction to nitroglycerin, one of the most interesting and varied medications you will learn about in nursing school. And I know that pharmacology is one of the subjects you guys have the most trouble with. So what other farm guidance are you looking for? Let me know. Shoot me an email. Go to the website. Send me a comment. Let me know what you think, and I will see what I can do for that. And then I have exciting news. If you listened to the podcast last week, you know that boot camp is live. Yeah, how excited are we about that? So if you don't know what boot camp is, honestly, where have you been? Because I've been talking about it a lot. But let me just give you the highlights. If you're not interested, you can tune out now. I'm not really going to talk about anything else super exciting for the rest of this. Well, I think boot camp is super exciting, but I'm not going to talk about nitroglycerin anymore. 
So bootcamp is a online course that covers critical concepts that are crucial to your success in nursing school. So your professors in those first few weeks are going to either be talking about these concepts, but very quickly, or they're going to assume you already know them and maybe you don't. So some of these topics that are really going to help you succeed are how to understand NCLEX style questions. If you've heard horror stories about NCLEX style questions, that's because most, if not all of your nursing school exams will be written in this format. And they are famous questions because they have four right answers. Typically, four right answers. A really good NCLEX style question will have four right answers. One answer is the most right. I'm not even kidding. So you got to get used to that because it's weird as heck. We'll also talk about the nursing process. This is something that you will learn about that can help you answer test questions. It will help you know what to do next when you don't know what to do next. So that's super helpful. There's also information on uh, developing your critical thinking and clinical judgment, which are probably the biggest knowledge gaps that nursing students have when they first start out. And we will be talking about this using a framework that plays a huge role in that next generation NCLEX. So that's exciting. We'll also talk about a study methodology that will help you master the material and not just memorize it because we're not going to just memorize. We're going to master. We'll learn com common medical terms and abbreviations that can help you understand medical language and grasp the meanings of things very quickly. Also, how to decipher nursing diagnoses, write your own nursing diagnoses. You're going to need this for your care plans. A key thing that is missing and so many students, and I just think it's because it's not hammered on enough in school, is effective communication. So we're going to break that down. That includes calling doctors, conveying significant or concerning findings, and giving end of shift report, which is so important for patient safety. We'll talk about vital signs. What's normal? What's abnormal? This is great for those of us like me that had zero medical background when they started. We'll also do a comprehensive review of electrolytes and their key roles in the body, as well as an overview of those fluid shifts, fluid compartments. This is the backbone to understanding hemodynamics, which is huge to understanding your patient. We're also going to talk about how to thrive in your clinical rotations, get you doing care plans with confidence, getting you taking tests with way less test anxiety. We also want to help you conquer the mountain, and I'm not even kidding, mountain of nursing school paperwork so that what you need is always at your fingertips and help you get organized so that you never miss a deadline and always get to bed by 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. I say 11 p.m. Some people prefer to get to bed by 10 p.m. Whatever your goal is, we're going to make it happen because we're going to make every minute count. And then the biggest chunk of this boot camp is a fail-proof method for doing dosage calculations or medication math that absolutely works with 100% accuracy every single time. Plus, there's more, but I've talked enough. So Bootcamp is live. You can access it by going to straightanursingstudent.com. Click on the link in the header that says Bootcamp, and bam, there you are at Bootcamp ready to go. And so now here we are. It is mid-August, and a lot of us are headed back to school in the next couple of weeks, including myself. I have 
two more semesters of graduate school. And this semester, I'm so excited. I'm not so excited, but I am so excited that I'm not taking three classes like I did last semester and work full time. So now I'm working per diem, which is amazing. Love it. And taking two classes. So one class is the theory component and one class is the clinical preceptorship. So the clinical component is with a nurse leader in the hospital. So my fabulous friend that was our clinical nurse educator is now in a more leadershipy position and she's going to be my preceptor and I cannot wait to work with her. And then the theory component is all about leadership and quality improvement. So I will be writing a quality improvement proposal that I am really excited about as well, about a subject that I find fascinating, which is sleep deprivation in the intensive care unit. So that's what I'm up to. And then... Next semester after that, I have to do my teaching preceptorship, and I'm hoping to do that at the university where I attend school and do some teaching of the undergrads and TA type work, and then I have to just do my final big project paper thing. So get in there. I know a lot of you are facing your last semester. I'm so excited for you. Yay! And I know a lot of you are facing your first semester, and I'm really excited for you. So thank you so much for spending your very precious free time with me today. As always, I could not be more happy than to hear your feedback, get your emails, all of that. And while we're talking about hanging out together on the podcast, I'd love it if you'd come hang out with me in my Facebook group. So the Facebook group, I've talked about it in the past. It was called Happy Healthy Nursing Students, but I decided I wanted to take it farther. And now it's called Thriving Nursing Students. So if you go to facebook.com slash thriving nursing students, I think it's there. Um, If you don't find it there, just go to the Facebook page for um, Straight A Nursing and then you can click to the group from there. I just wanted to make it follow more of the tenements that I talk about in the nursing school thrive guide because we talk all about not just surviving nursing school, but thriving nursing school. So I changed the group a little bit, but it still has the same awesome people that are so helpful and it has me and hopefully you as well. All right. Take care, everyone. We will be checking in next week to talk about atelectasis, a word that's hard to say and sometimes even harder to spell, but it will be something that will play a huge role in your first semester clinicals and med surge and assessments. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by straightanursingstudent.com. Copyright Mo Media. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Cheers!